Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody, this is Jacob Daniel. This is the Daniel Three Podcast, and uh, well, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. So, tonight I have a uh, uh, a special guest, first time on the show. Uh, somebody who is running for uh, Region Six Rep on the LNC, and turns out we actually have a, a fair bit in common, just in terms of our uh, you know political background and uh, both being Christians, and so. Uh, we're going to have a fun conversation tonight, and uh, I'm going to bring him up right now. His name is uh, Joseph uh, Eklund. Joseph, how you doing? Hey, Jacob. How are you doing? I'm pretty good, man. Pretty good. Can't complain. It's uh, Saturday. Uh, with my first day off in a while, and uh, you know, I got to spend it with my kids, which, you know, it's one of those things where while it's going on, it's a little stressful, but, <laughs> you know, in hindsight, it's, uh, it, it is really nice at the end of the day to, you know, to to have that precious one-on-one time with with your children even when they even when they drive you nuts and stuff i mean you're not going to get this this time back so i uh i try to i try to make sure i don't take it for granted there's an ancient wisdom to uh the regular chores of life like taking care of your children if you're a farmer taking care of your animals there there's like let's let's bring this in let's uh have this regularity and treat it with love um, that that I think is uh, it's a beautiful thing, and if we treat it too much, like we're trying to resist it, we actually become sick in our souls. And if we uh, we we can get over ourselves and uh, and and treat it uh, with love, then 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 we grow, and uh, it's and it's a lot nicer actually. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. You know, it's uh, you know, in the, in the, it's you know, in the simple things of life that you know, um, you know, some of the most meaningful things can happen. Right. Um, so uh, you know, we're both members of uh the Mises Caucus and uh, you know, involved in the Libertarian Party. So maybe we should start just by talking a little bit about that. You know, and uh, what brought you into Libertarianism, and then how you stumbled upon 
uh, the Macy's caucus and, you know, what it, what it means to you and, you know, why you wanted to get involved. Yeah. So, um, well, if I, if I go straight to libertarianism, that would have to be that same Ron Paul, Rudy Giuliani moment. That was my moment. I've never uh, heard this story before in my life. I'm going right? to, <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was it. I was getting into YouTube, starting to watch that. And that's where I found these clips of Ron Paul. And immediately, like I grew up as a more like soft socialist Democrat, like progressive, but kind of libertarian progressive, you know, they want everybody like classical liberal, but we want to take care of people's health care sort of thing. Uh, that was sort of where the community that I was coming from. And then um, I ended up finding, like, I was in anti-war protests when the Iraq war was starting. You know, we were really uh, calling out the wars and the drug war and all these things with these bad outcomes. And and it just seemed like it didn't make sense to me. And And then Ron Paul comes up, and he's this Republican, and wait, I can, there's a Republican who's anti-war, anti-drug war, and actually lives a responsible life um, and, and makes me actually have more compassion for the other side of the cultural aisle, uh, which I actually really valued uh, because it was something of a separation. I was, you know, a little bit in an echo chamber on the left and I could reach across the aisle to the right uh, side of the cultural sphere and, and have this uniting uh, political philosophy that it made more sense than the one I already had, which was like, I, I was a sort of Dennis Kucinich guy. And then Ron Paul was like, oh, we can all live, you know, we can have socialism, we can have the conservative, uh, uh, solo, you know, solo families, all these sorts of things. You just don't hurt each other and don't take your stuff. And, yeah, man. That's yeah. What for me. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's so funny how simple Ron Paul made it sound. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I remember, you know, I, I was always kind of like a, a political nerd. So I remember like in high school um, taking like, you know, econ classes, you know, political classes and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they always overcomplicated things, right? You know, they're teaching like Keynesian economics and they're teaching their you know, the, the, the government, you know, revisionist history, and then the, the, the political views that, that the educational system tries to impress upon you. It just makes you think, seem like, oh, wow, this is all so complicated. And oh, thank God we have, you know, these, these really smart politicians and, and, uh, and leaders in our government that, that can make all these decisions for us. We and, need them. We need them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it turns out actually that, no, it's all a bunch of, uh, you know, it, it's almost like I, I, uh, I'm a bit of a, a Star Trek nerd. And I always, <laughs> so there's a term in, in Star Trek called like, um, um, like, uh, what do they call it? Like, uh, techno babble, I think is the, is the phrase where mm -hmm. they, uh, they, 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 to explain the different things that are going on, you know, in, in the show that are, you know, more of the science fiction uh, variety, but they can't really explain it. So they throw a lot of techno babble at you. You know what I mean? There's just random words that sound really smart and they're all, you know, kind of smashed together. And, you know, that's kind of what politics that is. That sort of fit together. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's what, that's what like the, the you know, the Washington DC and, you know, it's all political theater and they, you know, they, they try to make it sound like they know what they're talking about, but it's, it's kind of all just made up. Yeah. Um, and, and Ron Paul would be asked all these questions and, I always loved the way he would answer them. He'd be like, listen, I don't know. He's like, I really don't know. I just think that it, it just comes down to, you know, these simple tenets of like, you know, we shouldn't be uh, dropping bombs on, on, on families and we shouldn't be, uh, you know, telling people how to live their lives. And it's just like, people go like, oh, that's just so simplistic and naive. And it's like, oh no, actually that's, it's, it's, you know, naive to think that if you bomb people that they'll just, you know, thank you for raining freedom down upon them or something like. <laughs> yeah. The, our, our idea that like, you know, the neocons were, were doing the 40 chess, the 40 chess before Trump, 
you know, like, oh, if we invade this country and hold pressure here, and then they'll become a democracy all of a sudden, and then that will cause this country to suddenly be, uh, react and become peaceful, and then this country will uprise against their their uh, leadership and topple that. It's like, and none of it worked. It, it's the, sometimes the we get up in our heads, human beings, we get up in our heads and we grab onto an idea and, and we fall in love with that idea so much that actually like our life doesn't have any relationship to it. It's not grounded in reality. And if we would have a little bit of humility and a little bit of, of, of actually, yeah, humility, hum that humbleness that makes you, uh, sort of get grounded and be like, oh, actually I could be wrong. Then, then these simplistic things, these higher morals that Ron Paul called us to. And, and now I, I love how Dave Smith, um, how he, when he's in, engaged in these, in these battles that are even on these, you know, super fast clip shows, it's somebody throws something at you. You take it to the higher moral plane. You say, well, you know, what, Ron Paul's advertising was so good at this with the anti-war stuff. It's like, what would you do if the, if China was doing this to us? Like, what if they had troops uh, being deployed in Texas, like, or on the border with Russia on the border of Mex on the Mexican border? It's like, we would have a much different. We would have a reaction that we can understand if we had a bunch of, of people in Texas freak out and go and, and start doing terrorism because China had invaded, like we would understand it. We might not be like, oh, it's okay to do terrorism, but we would understand. And that same thing where you reach the higher moral plane, you, you cut through all the, the, manipulations and just say like hey what is actually the moral thing here and and then let that guide you yeah exactly you know and re really reminding people that like what government does what the state does like it you can't you know people try to disguise it in these you know these 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 narratives and hide behind like the, the euphemisms that we we use to describe government actions but at the end of the day it's like we're talking about people doing things to other people right and and bringing it back to like you know like no it's not uh america attacking iraq it's american troops and american drones dropping bombs and and having an occupying force in the towns of iraqi or afghani uh, you know, men, women, and children who, you know, don't, they don't care about America, except that for some reason we keep coming over there and, you know, uh, killing them or, 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 you know, ruling over them. And it's like, you know, you know, they, they hate us for our freedom. It's like, what, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> and, and, you know, it's just you, such a silly thing to, to, to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, there there are places in the world where it's really rough it's it's not it's not hunky dory you know suburb life this is there are some real challenges that that are really hard for people um and you know it may be that the soldier on the ground is trying to help people but the soldiers that come back are the first ones to tell you it's a mess and they don't know what they're trying to do. And you try to do some good things for, for this family here. And then they die, you know, six months later because somebody, you know, used a precision weapon uh, to take out someone else. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. And not only that, but like they, they don't even know what they're trying to do on a more global stage. Like Scott mm -hmm. Horton breaks this down so well, how like, you know, we went into Iraq so gun ho and then realized like, oh, crap, we're actually helping out Iran, which, you know, that's not what we wanted to do. And then, you know, having to try to to to, to backtrack and, and, and fix that problem. And it's just one thing after another. It's, yeah, these false authorities yeah. That, that project 
uh, uh, authority, when it's not genuine. It's not something that, that actually commands respect. Um, it's this, this, this face of authority that's not really truthful. And that's, that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm an anarchist is because I want authority to be earned through a, a genuine merit. Like, yes, yeah. that's it. I, I want it to be as easy to say this authority is not the true authority as possible so that I can say yes to legitimate authority. And if that means that there are some some human beings that are actually amazing, like prophets that that we like choose as our leaders, like I don't have any problem with that. I think that's actually something that could be very beautiful. But if if we are meant to by force, you know, elect leaders based on a popularity contest that's basically rigged, we're not going to get good results. We're just going to have a real mess. And and these these meddlesome affairs in the foreign policy world are are very much just a continuation of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so so you brought up but you're an anarchist and I like the way you put it like, you know, you're an anarchist because you want not because you're against authority, which is you know, that's something sometimes that, um, I, I know we're, I think we're both Christians and that's something that, you know, if you, if you go to, the, you know, your average Christian and say you're an anarchist, it's like, <laughs> oh, but Romans 13 and, you know, all these different passages about authority. And it's like, well, no, I believe in, in authority and I believe God ordains certain people to be in authority. But I think that the people that God ordains are the ones that, you know, are the, who would be competent in it. The ones that, mm. that, you know, like you said, like you put it, like people, rise to the top through a sort of meritocracy um and you know they don't have to a true and and, and really i think this is what jesus taught right like jesus mm -hmm. taught like what to be a leader is to be a servant and so mm -hmm. the the true leaders true authority doesn't have to be coercive rather people just you know elevate you there because they want you there you've <laughs> you've you've earned that position um yeah. what, 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 what do you think we look at jesus's example and he basically does not recognize the state's authority. He recognizes the reality of the state's power, but he does not recognize their authority. He doesn't even recognize the, the Pharisees, the, the religious orders authorities. He is going directly to the divine word. And, and it's through our actual approach to the true spiritual realities and and we see this when we when we uh recognize the meaning and merit of of other people what they say what they do what ron paul did it spoke to your heart and 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 you could see oh the tr the plain truth of what he's saying in this particular realm of our lives and 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 jesus had us go straight to the word itself goes straight to and not and, and once again the law wasn't what the pharisees wrote out and how they you know argue did did argumentation about it and the and the legalism of it it was going to the actual uh spiritual reality and 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 so i i just find that our how we recognize authority when it becomes fallen, as it always does, humanity always, you know, rushes to to when they recognize an order that has that has that divine truth they, for of the moment, they rush in. They provide resources. They build them up, and they're like, "Oh yes, finally, you you brought the temple." And then over time, it gets corrupted. It, they're human, and 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 we can recognize that. And, and being basically following the legalism of man against the, the spiritual reality of God's word is, is always going to lead to bad results. And, you know, it's very difficult. Uh, one of the issues with that is always like when it becomes an individual thing where, where we have to trust uh, our hearts and and our understanding and and uh... 
Uh-oh. Looks like I lost Joseph. <laughs> it's, it's no longer uh, something we can force on people. We actually have to have faith in, in others and in, in health. Uh, we have to have healthy people that we that we respect and we can take their word for things. But if we can't like take this particular church or this particular authority or this particular government and say like they're always right, it, there's a there's a fear there that well what if we don't have authority? But really, that's actually fear that that is a lack of faith because faith. Mm shows us that authority always represents itself, but it won't necessarily present itself in the established order of power that man has established in the past. We can right. perceive the authority ourselves, and when we do, it just sings to our hearts, and we celebrate hallelujah, and we, and we go, and we lift them up, and we, and we have a, a, a spiritual revolution in the, of the time. And and it creates health and life in in human culture, and it's I I I think it's the coolest thing in the world, and that our sort of anarchist movement is is a is a flavor of that yeah. in a certain area of life. Oh yeah, I hundred percent agree, and it, it's um you know, and to me this is it, it's not like. Some people will try to obscure, you know, Christian anarchism as like some kind of weird. We're trying to, you know, bring a fringe political ideology and and push it onto the Bible. Um, but but when I became a, like a political anarchist, when I you know started reading Rothbard and uh, got into Tom Woods, Dave Smith, and all them, um, you know, then I started like, okay, well, you know, I wanted to just make sure that like the Bible was compatible with that. Like it, you know, my gut feeling was that the Bible, you know, might ban certain forms of government, but that for the most part, it didn't have any hard stamps on what, you know, it's like, you, you know, you know, you're a Christian first and, you know, there's different ways you can try to govern yourselves here and not, you know, just pick the one that you think is the best. But but then I was like, wow, like there's actually a lot in here that, you know, to me actually speaks to the idea of, of self-governance. I mean, whether we're going back to, you know, the book of Judges and the fact that, you know, there was no king. Then yeah. we go to First Samuel 8, which is when they introduce the king. And the warning is like, uh, the king, <laughs> it's like, uh, you sure you want this? Because it's not going to go well. It's going to go badly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And then the entirety of the Old Testament is, uh, you know, this 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 uh, hereditary uh, hereditary monarchy that fails over and over again, and they get conquered, and then they repent and come back to God. But it's Every just single it's time just, it's because they've yeah. drifted away from God, and they let the the man the 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 yeah. man made power uh, become corrupted, and then a new you know Isaiah has to or Ezekiel has to come up and, and, you know, preach to the people. Right. And then they finally like, Oh wait, that's actually the right idea. And then yeah. and, and of course they might have to go through a desert for a while or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. And then, and then Jesus comes and you know, why is he rejected as Messiah? It, it's, it's, I mean, there's a few reasons there, but one of the reasons is um, the Jews thought that there was going to be again, another political savior who would come and overthrow the Romans and usher in a new kingdom, physical kingdom of Israel. And Jesus, what did Jesus say? He's like, no, my kingdom is not of this world. Right. He tells, it he tells the spiritual yeah. authority, not yeah. the political authority. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And it's, and I, and I love one of my favorite uh, passages is in, I think Mark chapter 10 and he's telling his apostles, he's like, you know, listen, the Gentiles love to you know and he even uses the word arconist which is you know one of the, the greek word for for archist he's like you know the, the gentiles love to lord and rule and and arc over each mm -hmm. other he says but it shall not be that way among you and i'm like <laughs> and i'm like they're just they're just so much there and i'm just like you know i was like uh, and so i became convinced i was where like uh could you, you repeat where so uh, who said that i believe it's mark chapter 10 what a mark yes. 10 verse 42 if i remember correctly yep so yeah. i'll pull it up here uh, jesus called them together and said you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the gentiles lorded over them and their high officials 
exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be um, must first be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For right. even the Son of Man who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I'm just like, he's, I don't know. To me, it just seems like we're just reading the text. <laughs> you know, and I, in some ways, I'm, I don't have a long history with really um, working closely with the biblical text. Um, I'm, I'm actually somewhat new at doing that. Um, you seem and, to have a pretty good understanding of it already, though. I have oh, to say, like you're speaking, you're you're, you're speaking my language. <laughs> yeah, and, but a lot of it it comes from. Um, so I, I'm a, a student of of anthroposophy, which is sort of a, a spiritual uh, science, which basically it recognizes the objective reality of spirituality, and and Christianity is part of that, and that that the story of what happened in in Golgotha is is part of this, like, the spiritual reality actually changed, and there's this mystery about how that happened. As, as, the, as the divine God entered into creation, and what does that mean? And it's something that I've been, like, really, uh, it's, it's one of my things that I think about. And, and what I basically understand is, like, I don't know if you, you listen to much Jordan Peterson, Oh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so one of the things he talks about is um, when you, you try to not lie and you try to tell the truth. And what happens is that you align with yourself more and more and, yeah. and your alignment with yourself also uh, correlates or, or uh, harmonizes with the good of the world. So, so that you're, you know, we are like that. We are the children of God. We are little uh, divine beings, and when we align, we actually harmonize with the grand divine being of the whole cosmos. And that, and that, Jesus was one who did that so much that he could be. Because when we speak the truth, we're not necessarily just speaking what we want. We're speaking something that's true, that's almost beyond us. That's the that's the divine truth of us. And I think about this: if anybody plays uh, like improvisational music, or even like is an actor or does art, one of the times, sometimes you like are in the zone, and there's something. It's not you that's doing it; it's you're perceiving what the zone is, and you're managing to do it. It's this divine thing, this truth, like, oh, I, you know, even when you're trying to make an argument and you're like, oh, well, I'm not quite there because you're actually perceiving something else that's the truth. Right. And you're making it. And what I see this as being, as, as we are slaves and servants of the divine, we incarnate the spiritual true world. We make heaven incarnate into earth. We actually bring the true good and beautiful more and more into the earthly life. And we redeem the fallen, the fallen earth. And, and Jesus basically was of such pure heart and so uh, in like inspired by the divine spirit that the actual like Godhead itself spoke through his life for three years and and when and he was the ultimate servant of the divine world the master is the servant serving the world serving all of his all of the people who follow him and it's this just this amazing beautiful thing and it's like it's 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 so profoundly moving that that is the nature of our reality. And it proves to me that God is love. Like that's, that's how it works. Yeah. Holy yeah. crap. Yeah. <laughs> no, a hundred percent. And uh, yeah, D Jordan Peterson is, uh, you know, the, the, the way he comes at the Bible does bring like a, like a, a fresh life and per perspective to, to, to the scriptures and, and, you know, whether you're a, you know, you can be a, you can be a fundamental, I'm not really a fundamentalist, but I'm someone who would take the Bible, 
you know, and, and, and believe it on a more spiritual level, metaphysical level. But, you, you, you know, it appeals to me, but it can also appeal to somebody who doesn't believe in the metaphysical yeah. statements of the Bible. But 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 to me, it's like, you know, whether or not those stories are true or not, the psychological truths that are there are just so profound that, I mean, I don't know how you can't at least just stand in all of them. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a little, um, you know, to me and to me, there's like almost no bottom, you know, especially when you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there's so much and there's so much in the Bible that has parallels to like the struggles that we're going through as a society today. You know what I mean? Like, you know, hearkening back to like, you know, you know, this this fight against authoritarianism and 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 stuff. I mean, you know, and, and you know, there's something about the the Mises caucus and 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 it and it's almost it's it shouldn't be surprising to me that the Mises caucus has this element to it because, because Michael Heiss, the founder is a, is a fellow Jordan Peterson fan. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's probably un- unconsciously uh, had that influence on it. But, but to me, the I've Mises had, caucus. I've had some good spiritual conversations with Michael. It's yeah. 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 Um, you know, there, there's something about the Mises caucus that seems to me almost to be, you know, like, like it, it's almost, um, I'm trying to figure out the right words here for this. The, the Mises caucus is almost essentially not just a force that's fighting for liberty, but it's a force that is basically doing that which Jesus taught us to do, which is to pursue freedom by telling the truth. You know what I mean? Like there, there, yes. and there there's something so like it's simple and it, it seems like it would take you know, again, like, you know, people like to complicate it and, and, and make it seem like, you know, things are harder than they actually are. But really, like, no, like, like, if you're telling the truth, you're properly orienting yourself with reality, and then you will act in a way which brings life and, 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 and peace to, to you and your family and your community and, and, and to society. But when you act out of, out of lies, when you distort reality, then everything goes to 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 hell, <laughs> and that's exactly what's happened in our society. And to me, like you know, Tom Woods, Dave Smith, Scott Horton, you know, and those of us in the Mises Caucus, like everything we're trying to do and the different ways we're trying to do it, like we're trying to 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 bring us bring society back to harmony by by just telling the truth, by just saying oh, we have to come back, we have to come back and recognize you know, where we've fallen off and get back to, you know, you know, doing what, what, you know, the, the tradition that, that Jesus taught, taught and that, you know, Western society, you know, you know, the good things that came out of it, that's where, where it came from. Right. So, so this, oh man, I, I'm so enjoying this because I, I, I really love the cross-section of these two worlds, the liberty, the libertarian movement and the, and this, uh, the biblical work. And one of the things that you, that you, that spoke to me out of what you said was, um, do you know Jonathan Pajot? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was, I, I had a sort of, he, when he was speaking, something was, he revealed something to me, which was um, when Judas criticized the anointment with oil. Um, so, so when when the women are are putting precious oils on on Jesus and and Judas criticizes um, this, Jesus says that essentially you need to get your priorities straight. There's having you know fixing social problems, you know worrying about inequality and in the poor and stuff. First, you have to uh, recognize the divine and the and the and and the king. You have to you have to put the 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 top value at the top of the hierarchy. So Jesus, being this this being of 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 living God's word into life and being this example, and and he you know, he's the priority. And, and so when you spoke about how do you affect change, you tell the truth, you speak the true divine word into existence. 
And from there, you trust the results and people can recognize it. It, it calls to their inner uh, higher moral force. They're just like, they're moved. Like, this is the truth. This is the moral thing. And it's in the right place. It's at the top of our values. And at the same time, you had the other uh, disciples who wanted to, to fight, who wanted to uh, ride into Jerusalem and, 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 and take up arms. And Jesus is like, this is not the way. Right. And it's almost like this left and right pole of trying to fix society or save society or anything like that. It's doing machinations in the service of the of the topic instead of just speaking the truth and keeping your eye on the ball as far as like what you're serving. Yeah. Well, and so the story that came to mind when you were saying that is um and this might have been what you were maybe partially re- referencing, I don't know, but I think of uh peter and jesus in the in the garden before jesus is taken into custody and you know peter cuts off the ear of the high priest and they're ready to they're ready to fight off the entirety of the of of the uh the the jewish authority to keep jesus from being captured And, and jesus rebukes peter and says uh you know if you if you live by the sword you will die by the sword and will i not take the cup that my the father has given to me um, and, I mean, and, and there's a lot in that passage and, and some people, some people take it as like a, you know, a refutation of, of, of violence entirely and, and to, and that Jesus was kind of preaching a pacifist message there. There might be something to that, but I think it's deeper than that. I think yeah. what Jesus was, was rebuking wasn't so much the use of violence or, or, or defense, but rather a lack of, a, 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 I think a lack of faith. Yes. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, and, and, and a, try to figure out the right words here, a unwillingness to relinquish control as well. Like, like yeah. Peter, Peter in that moment was not acting in faith. He was acting with the impulse that he needed to, if, and if, and do, and if he needed to do this by force, he was going to, he needed to control the outcome. Right. He, he wasn't trusting the divine to, to 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 let things play out as they were supposed to. He's like, no, they need to play out the way that that I deem I, they have to. And I isn't have an idea of how it's supposed to work? And like, you're supposed to be the king, and and yeah. Like... And it's like, isn't that such a to me? That's such a parallel to uh, the, the 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 pitfalls and like the, the 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 logical pitfall of statism and why people fall into it in the first place. It's this, right. it's it's this lack of faith in the divine to work things out. It's like they're, they're, when you're confronted with the chaos that just normally arises when when things start to go astray, instead of trying to let things play out, trusting that that telling the truth and that doing the right thing will lead to long-term peace, rather what if you act like Peter, and that's what statism is, you're like, no, I need to use by any means necessary, including violence and coercion, I need to have control over what's going to happen. And it's that, it's that, it is that, that obsession with control, I think that, that, that really poisons people's hearts and minds because I mean, that that's exactly where, you know, like a lot of the problems we have today and and like, you know, there's a lot of people that like, they don't actually want, the government to go and do a lot of the evil things that the government does. But the issue is they will continually justify the state's existence because they need the state to control like the one or two things that they really care about the most, whether that's my fellow Christians on the right who are like, well, we need a state to, you know, crack down on all these, you know, degenerate people and, you know, not let them live their sinful lifestyles and stuff and, and all that, you know, or whether it's the left and it's like, no, we need the state to, you know, enforce all of our social, you know, values and, and, and preferences and, and, you know, and, and to, you know, pr- provide some sort of equity in the market and, when and stuff. When did, that? When did right. Jesus say they don't live, uh, uh, you know, lives of, 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 they don't live uh, honorable lives. We better force them to. It's like no. Right. He said, you know, <laughs> you know, come and follow me. That's right. it. 
And it's like instead of you know what what Jesus did when when he when he was confronting people's sin, he didn't attack them. He didn't use coercion. Rather, he just called them to repentance. And you know what? A lot of times they did, and it it didn't take coercion. He inspired them to right. repent from their sinful ways and to turn towards righteousness. And that's what the church is supposed to do. And unfortunately, the church has 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 really uh, really missed the mark on this. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, I think that, you know, especially when the church misses the mark that, um, and, and when the church itself is calling for statism, well, that is such a warping of the natural order that I, I, I don't know if I would blame the church for the predicament we're in, but, uh, but to me, the church has to be serving its proper role for things to work to, you know, they have to be part of the solution at, at the yeah. very least, um, yeah. And and so you know that's kind of what you know inspired me to the whole that, that so that's basically the the genesis of this podcast was me saying like the church needs to you know get back on to the 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 path of truth and what we're supposed to be doing um, you know and and you know that that plays a part in restoring things back to to to, to the natural order and but yeah I think the Mises Caucus and the Libertarian Party I think have an important role in that too. Um, you know, promoting decentralization, uh, you know, getting the ideas of Rothbard and Mises out there and stuff. And, and really, it, it, and it really, you know, I, when I first, um, so I got into Jordan Peterson first and, but then when I went from Jordan Peterson to, to Mises and human action and praxeology, man, that was such a, like a, a, a mind bomb because <laughs> they, they work together so perfectly um, and you know, the, the idea that like Jordan Peterson talks about a lot, which is like, you know, uh, set your, your house in order, right. Clean your right. room and take, you know, life is not about temporary happiness, but rather, uh, the pursuit of meeting by taking on maximal responsibility for yourself. Um, you know, that, that kind of can naturally follow through to then ha having a conversation with people about, uh, you know, human action and praxeology, um, because it's like, you know, in, and sometimes people can be like, well, what, you know, economics can seem like this really abstract thing. And I'm like, no, economics is, is, is kind of like what Mises, I think was saying, it's like, it's, it's everything. It's like everything we do is sort of the found, you know, is sort of the foundation and our actions, um, you know, like, you know, it's not what Keynesians uh, say the economy is. It's not like looking at it at these at this end result level and 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 tracking spending and and messing with the 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 money and interest rates and all that. Like no, it starts at the individual. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, it, and, it, it's, it's this uh, idea that went along with materialism that that humans are machines. If humans are meat puppets, yeah. And and if humans are machines then you arrange machines in a certain way, you'll get a certain result. And, and like, I think that that's actually how, because when you, when you think about social engineering, that's how the thinking is. It's like, if we right. do this, yeah. we'll do this. And it's not treating them as divine creative beings. It's like, if they're divine creative beings, then you give them their sovereign authority and you, and you have faith that, that, you know, they will follow Christ and, and then heaven will, you know, in their life, heaven will be more incarnated into the earth or they won't. And we're going to have to take responsibility for how that afflicts us. And, and, you know, there are, there's limits to that. And that's one of the reasons why I think the non-aggression principle is a great political principle. It seems like the most, the, the best uh, principle when it comes to the use of violence um, but, you know, in that way, it's, it's mainly, uh, you know, not that it prevents harm, but it's actually, it's actually honoring the sovereignty of the perpetrators, uh, actions. It's like, they have responsibility for this and therefore, you know, we won't just allow them to keep on incurring more debt. We are not going to participate in that. We are going to stop them. And and it's not like we're doing this 
just for us. No, we're doing this also for you because we, we honor the fact that you are responsible for your actions. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, if you don't, if you don't, and, and to me, it's like, you know, uh, if you don't start with self-ownership, you know, that's again, another, another distortion of the truth. And it's like, because I, I don't think you can even define morality and you can't define like you can't define reality correctly if you're not starting at the individual it'd be right. like trying to do science but but denying the uh like i don't know d denying the sort of i guess like sovereignty or the the prevalence of atoms you know what i mean like you know how, how are you going to do chemistry if you're not like you know starting out with a fundamental understanding of like you know atoms and electrons and protons and their reactions and like you know uh, and, and like the general principles there, it's like, well, you know, in the same way that atoms are sort of like the the fundamental blocks of chemistry, you know, individuals are the fundamental blocks of society. And you kind of have to start I, on that I level. Better than atoms, it would be um, math. It'd mm. be like denying math itself. And then people are trying to do all these, like, you know, they're saying the orbit of the planets is doing these weird loopy things. They're like, no, this isn't working. This doesn't add up. Sorry yeah. about that. No, it's all right. No, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a good analogy, too. It's, it's like you can't, um, or even like, uh, you know, it's sort of what kind of reminds me a little bit of what uh, argumentation ethics is. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, you know, well, how can you even engage in the world and 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 disagree with somebody or talk to somebody without implicitly like you know acknowledging self-ownership like yep. you, you just can't it's like so if you you know attempts to refute self-ownership demonstrate self-ownership and you're you're now engaging in a in a you know walking contradiction <laughs> well it's funny um getting where hoppa got our argumentation ethics from had a bunch of like weird um confusions in it that he resolved and came to anarcho-libertarian conclusions and and it was that if you uh if you're having an argument with someone then you recognize that they need to live and therefore they need a bunch of resources and it was this con like wait no so, so yes they have the right to acquire their resources in order to live but they don't have a right to other people's resources right yeah and, yep could that could that be self-refuting i mean it would yeah. it, it wouldn't be uh wouldn't be doable um so um i guess in the last you know like 10 minutes or so we have here um you know let's talk <laughs> a little bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just wandered all over i know it's great no, it, it, it was. Um, I'll have to have you back on sometime to, to maybe do a little deeper dive onto some of those subjects because we could we could take a couple of those and do a whole episode on them. Yeah, um, man. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, you're, you're running for the, the rep of Region 6. So, you know, maybe talk a little bit about like what you've already done in in the in the party and the caucus and what's going on. I think you're in Wisconsin. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so, Southwestern yeah. Wisconsin. Um, I'm a, an at-large in the state party. Um, I I was called uh, out or called to the Mises Caucus by Scott Horton and Dave Smith and and Tom Woods. They put out the call. I was like, okay, I'm 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 joining. Let's make the Ron Paul revolution and bring it into the party. Um, and so that's when I I. Uh, I was a delegate to Orlando two years ago, and then I joined the the XCOM of the Wisconsin party last year. And um, right before that, actually, uh, there was no affiliate anywhere near me in the in Wisconsin. And there was like you know because to Wisconsin, if you you know if you look at your hand and sort of stick your thumb out and Green Bay's on your thumb and Milwaukee's sort of on the fleshy part of your palm. And then Madison's in the middle. I'm off on the other side where it's basically rural and all the hills are as you go into Iowa. And there was nothing out there, nothing from basically Madison westward. And um, 
And so I started an affiliate and started it with like six counties, my county and all the counties that connected to it just so like we could turn it gold. Um, and I'm connected with a, a number of libertarians, but I have to say that having it be that big has its, has its challenges. And I, my goal is to have all those counties split off and become their own affiliates. And I've got uh, one that's uh, probably going to happen this year and uh, another one that might happen. But anyway, uh, so I've been part of the state party and, and I want to participate in this reset. And it's not just from what I've done with the state party, but also uh, what I do in my work. I connect with, uh, with farms that sell direct and avoid the state. It's right, basically- yeah. What's that called again? Uh, farm Match. Right, okay, yeah. So it's a website that connects people to direct selling farms. And it's basically this method to overcome the agricultural, chemical, welfare farm state. Like the right. what's going on, the reason why Fork, I just saw uh, somebody on, on the Libertarian Party Wisconsin discussion board on Facebook was, was posting an AOC clip. Alexander, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah was talking and what she said spot on she was she was interrogating them about the four largest uh meat processing companies and how much protection and how it's not a free market absolutely correct and she just wants to treat symptoms whereas we want to actually cure the disease which is protectionism oh yeah um, so people people don't realize how much that the the, the food like the uh food industry is almost like it's almost awesome. entirely centrally planned. Yeah. I mean, it's it it, it doesn't and even come. D like the nutrient density of the food has diminished. There have been great uh, economics articles about the. Joseph's ascending into heaven again. That inflation doesn't just depreciate the the money; it depreciates our food. That actual vegetables have lost flavor and richness, and that's why you go to the farmers market and buy the extra expensive. That just used to be normal, but the way that they raise food now is just uh, it's overtoxified. They've depleted the soil. And therefore, people don't have the nutrients that they need to actually fight disease, which also helps the pharmaceutical companies that are in on this. <laughs> and the, the yeah. gig goes on from there. Yeah. And and I, I get so frustrated with other people who are supposedly libertarians and just, you know, have this blind faith for the pharmaceutical companies and just like, and I was like, you don't like <laughs> to me, it's just like I, I, I avoid the doctor like a plague because it's just I, I know. And to me, this is also very biblical and, and a whole other thing. But just like, um, you know, for the most part, I think that we're supposed to treat illness in our bodies through 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 natural means. And it almost entirely starts by the food we put in our mouth and stuff. But, yeah, the, the government has done done the uh the american people and plus other you know uh people living in other countries no favor with the way that we get our food i mean what's the last time like i you, i don't think you can go into most grocery stores and buy food that came from a farm even in your own state like most of the produce is shipped in from south america or or uh uh you know sometimes i've i've seen things that come from I forget what was it was it I think kiwis mostly come from France or something just like weird things it's just like why why it, it just doesn't make sense to me and then the more and you know even, even how the grocery store is oriented and the products that are available in it have been yeah. shaped by agricultural policy that that the USDA um basically invented the food pyramid and and it was never based on science and, and the nutrition tables that they used, all of that was never based on science. One person had a theory and they came up with a paper. It's been completely refuted since, but it reigned supreme for decades and shaped our whole agricultural subsidy mechanism. And then from there, 
we went to uh, post-World uh, War II chemistry in order to uh, fertilize everything, which has actually depleted the topsoil and been completely unsustainable. So, so I could go on a rant about this for quite a while too, but essentially I felt like, I, I talked to Joel Salatin. If you don't know Joel Salatin, he is the, the most famous libertarian farmer. He is a renegade farmer. He wrote the book, Everything I Want to Do is Illegal. And he, he basically, he's featured on Food Inc., the, the documentary about how corrupt and poisonous the, the food industry is. And he basically like, he, he runs a farm that, that is completely self-integrated and he, and he teaches people how to farm in such a way that they actually incorporate all their waste products and actually make the soil healthier and, and incorporate and basically have positive externalities instead of negative externalities. And it's essentially applying libertarian principles to the farm. It's like, don't poison your neighbor's property. Don't have genetic drift. And, and he was, I talked to him about being in the Libertarian Party. And he said that he had tried to be more active in the, in the national LP and that he was essentially kind of pushed out at, by these people who are the corporate apologists who are saying yeah. that basically the, the chem, you know, Dow chemical and, and, you know, all these uh, Monsanto bear and all this, that, that they're private companies and, and basically apologizing for them. And private company, bro. Like, dude, libertarianism isn't, it's a private company. You can do what you want. It's property rights and yeah. the protection of innocence. Corporations are not, free market entities like i'm i don't know why this is so hard for some libertarians to understand like corporations are are government issued uh entities that are like these fictitious persons you know what i mean it's like they, yeah. they, 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 there's nothing like i'm not saying there wouldn't be big businesses in a actual anarcho capitalist you know society but like to to conflate these these giant corporations that are in bed with government with private actors is just uh, it's just uh, another example of false authority that yeah. that these these farms that are using practices that hurt the environment around them and hurt their neighbors and and ru like ruin the air if you've been in some of these uh some of these places where they're spraying the noxious fertilizer that they use you get headaches and and it's yeah. basically very unpleasant um, whereas actually if you use, you know, Joel Salatin, it, you know, there are other, uh, modalities that are as responsible as his, but basically he uses the, the products of the animals that he uses from his farm and brings them in a way that actually incorporates it in the soil and builds the top soil back up, which, which basically depleted, which is the reason why we have to use chemicals on our soil because it doesn't that have the top Go ahead. Is that like is that like regenerative farming, basically? Yes. What he's talking? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That you're regenerating the soil, which is actually uh, it pulls carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. I'm not a huge, uh, you know, climate change freak out person, but if you actually want to address this, you don't kill off, you don't start more monocrop mono soybeans and and wheat and corn. You actually have regenerative agriculture, you bring uh, rotational grazing of ruminant animals, which builds up the, the soil, greenifies the desert, and actually you can use um, more land and more nutrients per acre um, in areas where you can't even use a plow. Like th this, this is a major solution to our problems and it doesn't need any yeah. subsidy. It just needs the government to stop subsidizing the poison. That's yeah. what we we just need to speak the truth and stop telling lies, and this will work. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so, so many. I, I mean, bring, I, I want to bring that uh, that place. You know, I'm from the northern Midwest. There's lots of small farms that that and and lots of agriculture that needs representation of what is the solution. I was talking to a a regular conventional uh, grain distributor. And he was talking, he knows all this, but he's stuck 
because their whole their whole system is stuck in the in the welfare agricultural chemical complex. It's all yeah. gone, and we need to actually have solutions that bring people out. And so I'm bringing this voice to the LNC on on this issue because there's people with we we span a lot of the different issues. I also want to focus on on making sure that members or, or that newly inspired libertarians or people who have been out in the cold that they have easy uh, venues for being engaged that they that it's really well communicated from the party's perspective hey if you love you know if you're going to ner- nerd out about libertarian philosophy here's where you should go if you want to become a candidate here's all the things you need here's a go to like the whole manual everything you just fill in exactly. the blank and you yeah. become a candidate in a box all those things should be super easy so that somebody who's like, oh my gosh, this is the truth, I'm in love, I want to change the world, that we can immediately be like, oh, you want to change the world? Here, that's how you change the world. Do it in your county, and we'll start from the bottom up. We'll bring community authority back where it's actually a relationship between human beings at the local level, as opposed to some far-off authority king. So that's what we're going to do at the Libertarian Party. The Mises Caucus is our vessel to go speak truth to power. We're going to ride this wave. We're going to take it over. We're going to have the whole liberty movement finally have a vessel for political action that is worthy of it. Hopefully, if we can do our job right, we have to be, we have to stay humble. We have, you know, that whole corruption thing. We are right now the springboard, the enthusiastic. We see the spirit. We are inspired. We're going to have to do our best to, to not become corrupted, but we're not kings. We're not entitled to your, to being your leaders, but we are ready to do this. So come on, let's go. Amen, man. Well, uh, now I have two episodes i need to bring you back on we got to talk about food more and we got to talk about uh um uh, uh jordan peterson and uh and uh and christianity a little bit more too because uh those could be two great conversations and uh yeah and, uh, rudolf steiner which will be very interesting because that's uh he's really uh what i got into spiritual stuff yeah and he's and less the, known and the food stuff i mean like i actually really quickly here uh I actually used to be a vegan. I actually used to. I 2015 me was a leftist Bernie Sanders vegan, and, uh, <laughs> and so I've come a long way. Um, and but yeah, I was actually kind of looking into all the stuff. So first, I looked. I started to realize how veganism was environmentally unsustainable, but then that opened my eyes to all of the like uh, government monopoly and interventionism that that you. That, that I'm sure you you know you, that you were talking about and that you've become aware of and so you know that yeah. I mean just how much like how much of our farming is just growing corn for all the different things corn and soybean for all the different things that we use corn and soybean for that's not even food yeah. <laughs> and that it's just and such it a waste wasteland of yeah. one plant right the birds don't have a place to live man like it's to- so destructive oh yeah. man yeah no it's 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 oh, awful so so we'll definitely have to talk about that more as well and i need to uh, what's what's the website again farm uh um yeah it's it's farmmatch.com and okay. uh i'm gonna talk to you uh, uh sometime about uh making you uh, giving you an affiliate link because we would love to reward uh other people in the liberty movement for participating in the decentralization of the food system. Uh, we want farms to directly, essentially, the a whole network of farms, because this is what FarmMatch does, is we, are, we have a platform where all these different farms who sell direct all can have one marketing arm. And that way, basically, we can have a decentralized uh, affiliate network of all the podcasters, all the food freedom activists, the libertarians who want, who are passionate about these things, can get directly funded by the farms themselves. That's awesome. Yeah, well, definitely, I, I, I'm I'm really interested in doing that because I'm I'm tired of buying my food from the grocery store that 
at, at this point doesn't even have half the crap I'm looking for anyway. And what they have is complete garbage. So <laughs> there's uh there, there's no incentive to continue in that. So uh, cool, man. Well, Hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, it was a great conversation. I'm excited for what we're about to do in Reno and, and you know, what we're about to do with the LP and, you know, take it into the, you know, it's next iteration that, uh, like you said, you know, start speaking, uh, truth to power and, uh, you know, being that nexus for all things, liberty and decentralization and, you know, re reclaiming, you know, individual and local sovereignty. So I'm, 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 I'm right. excited, you know, I'm, I'm so excited and encouraged that, that, that there's so many people like, like you that I get to encounter in, in this, in this movement that, that, that we've all joined into. Cause you know, it, 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 it helps to make me a better person helps to make me more informed. And, uh, you know, you know, we're, we're, we're all, I mean, it sounds cliche, but like, we're all, we're all in this together. Like we're not, you know, yeah. like, like three years ago, it was like, you know, oh my gosh, it's just, you know, like, what can we do against this giant, uh, satanic beast that is the state? And, you know, of course we still have a long ways to go, but I I'm so, I'm so much more white pilled now than I was. It's like, even though the tyranny's gotten worse, I continue <laughs> to get more white pilled because I just, you know, I, I feel that, uh, I mean, you know, what's that saying? It, the, the night is darkest just before the dawn. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, we could be part of something that, uh, you know, that that starts to turn the ship around, that 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 starts to 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 wake people up and can can usher in what comes next. So, um, you know, well, so in Reno, right? I can't make it to Reno, unfortunately, oh, because man. my wife's giving birth that week. Oh, um, well, and I, you know I that right? Put the right thing at the top of the hierarchy. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it literally was like, I mean, and that hierarchy literally is like wife and Reno. And I was like, and I was like, I was like, I was like, I was like trying to convince my wife. I was like, you know, what if you gave birth in Reno? I mean, you know, it wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> uh, she didn't go Amazing. for it. Oh, that's so funny. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, but, but I will be we'll do our best spirit. without you. Yeah, no, I I will be there in spirit and, and uh, you know in between in between uh, you'll you'll uh, be watching the live stream. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that'll uh, that'll go well <laughs> in the in the hospital room. Like <laughs> like like, what are you doing? Are you giving people updates? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, All thanks right, for Jim. coming on, and uh, thanks, everybody, for watching, and uh, everyone, enjoy uh, the rest of your nights. Thank you, Jim. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas Podcast today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.